You're listening to Arc Radio Podcast. Assalamu alaikum. My name is Sophia and I'm a law student. And welcome to our radio show called A Fresh Perspective on Current Affairs. We'll be discussing what's been going on in the world and how we feel about it as young Muslims in the society. You know, where do we fit in? What's our place? And joining me are some of my beautiful, learned friends who will now introduce themselves. I'm Meher, I study politics, and I'll be offering up some of my opinions on the topics we've chosen. Uh, I'm Kulsum, I'm an English and journalism student, and I'm excited to share my opinion too. I'm Hamna, and I'm a psychology student, and I'm here to listen to what my friends have to say, and I'm looking forward to contributing to the conversation. Enjoy the show! Today we're going to be talking about the war between Russia and Ukraine and yeah just generally um like what's happened so far the timeline of events and then some discussion about general issues that we feel like we've taken with for example the media coverage or the double standards perhaps that exist uh as I'm sure we all talk about um and yeah so I think just to give a backing for people who don't know as much or I mean, obviously, following along with the news can be so overwhelming, especially since COVID. I know a lot of us have just switched off. <laughs> um, but okay, in terms of what's actually happened with the war, it starts in probably the 70s uh, with the Cold War. Actually, Cold War was 60s, wasn't it? Does anyone know what the Cold uh, War the, was? The, it started. It happened. It, stuff happened. It was cold. It was chilly. Um, <laughs> um, and then did it warm up? Question mark. We'll never know. But I guess, I guess not. That's why we're here. <laughs> I guess it never did. Um, but yeah, so the Cold War is like the context of, you know, obviously this general dispute between the US and the Soviet Union. And then the Soviet Union breaks up. And then Ukraine gets independence in 1991. And then there were essentially a series of presidents of Ukraine who were backing Russia or backing the USA. It kind of went to and fro, but it was clearly another way for them to have a lovely proxy war, which they love to have, of mm. who's going to co- control uh, Ukraine. Apparently never Ukraine, which is very sad, <laughs> very sad for Ukraine. Um, and then in 2014, things escalated a bit. Um, a lot of the... Uh, there's essentially there's a part of Ukraine which has a lot of kind of people with Russian sentiment and they were protesting. They had a few leaders who were pro-Russia and Russia essentially jumped on this support and there was a 2014 annexation of that part of, of Ukraine. So then there was disputed territory similar to the kind of Kashmir situation. It's kind of, you know, a gray area of who owns that. And then in 2019, there is the Ukrainian president, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky. I don't know Very if I'm good pronouncing it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so he's elected in 2019. And interestingly, I did not know this, but he's a former comic actor. He was. Yeah, I did know that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. No okay, way. I didn't get the memo. It's one of the very little things <laughs> that I know about him. Don't ask me anything else. <laughs> I know his, what Why? he looks like. <laughs> and I know he does comedy, apparently. Um, hmm. Have you ever seen any of his films? I, I saw a clip. Oh, I wow. can't say that I'm a fan. You, you don't frequent Ukrainian cinema? No, no. That's no. very sad. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, the, I think the Ukrainian people must have loved it because he was <laughs> Yeah, guys, clearly. <laughs> yeah, there's a kind of string of these people, aren't there? Like um, Reagan... Ronald yeah. Reagan was obviously an actor too. How fun! Yeah. Um, and then in 20, 2021, he essentially um, went to President Biden and asked for Ukraine to join NATO. And this was obviously a very big move because 
There is kind of a historical debate around this, but there is apparently some kind of settlement that Russia made with the US about kind of bordering countries of Russia not joining NATO or obviously it wasn't on paper like the US mm-hmm. would never agree to such a solid thing you know they like keeping things vague legally vague <laughs> um, but obviously this felt like a betrayal and also the Ukrainian president um, Zelensky he also froze the assets of the opposition leader oh. um, Viktor Viktor Medvedchuk mm, <laughs> less solid less but you're okay it's a good Medvedchuk yeah. <laughs> she's trying listen you got Zelensky <laughs> let's, let's just call him Viktor <laughs> let's just call Victor, him Victor um, and he obviously backed the Kremlin so or like he was the he was Russia's biggest uh, Ukrainian ally so obviously Russia was a little bit annoyed <laughs> and yeah essentially oh does also does anyone need a clarification of what NATO is I was just gonna say I think that, that you I should think, clarify think for it. Yeah. yeah okay so essentially NATO is the North Atlantic Treaty Organization yes Ooh. yes Ooh. <laughs> easy on the tongue <laughs> <laughs> They were formed uh, post-World War II and um, they were, you know, essentially, let's stop war kind of, a, you know, that's is their their main motivation is preventing um, war at that scale, especially... It's clearly working. Oh, yeah, <laughs> success! Um, uh, especially because of the rise of nuclear weapons. They were like, we got to stop this from happening. Um, obviously, uh, the job. stakes are high. <laughs> yeah. And it's working. Right, attempt was made. <laughs> It's the thought that counts. It's all about well-intentioned. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Is it really the <laughs> framework? Yeah. I feel like your intentions may be, you know, not as much. Yeah, I don't know if the people on the ground would agree with that, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and then NATO was more... So even though it was started, uh, you know, to deal with the impact of World War II, during the Cold War, um, it was then kind of an agreement of let's have a like solidarity against Russia. So it does have an anti-Russian sentiment. I think the Russians applied to join after the breakup of the Soviet Union and everything, and they basically rejected them all and said, you know, we are America and Europe. We're going to stick together against Russia because Russia is sus, and to be fair, they've proved to be that way um, in, recent, in recent years. Um, a little bit, yeah. But there is an interesting point about, yeah, how do we feel about um, the U.S., the, the West in general going against their promise to not allow bordering countries in, in like Russian bordering countries to join NATO. Like, do was we feel it, like was it like a trail? promise or was it just like a sentiment that they shared? I think like a an agreement which maybe was a mutual understanding. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So, in some way, do you feel like this is controversial to say, but do you feel like there was a provocation? I think if you're dealing with the US, you kind of know that they're not really going to stick to yeah, their promises. I'm not, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I would get them to write it down. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Exactly. Well, this is the thing. Um, and unfortunately, it's led to a quite disproportionate reaction as well, I think we can agree, from Russia, which is uh, an invasion, I think, which happened in also 2021. Yes. Yes, yes I think, I think yeah. it has been over a year, definitely. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, hundreds and thousands of people from both sides have now passed away, which is obviously horrific. War is among us, you know. We aren't of the war generation of, like, First World War, Second World War. But how do you guys feel about that, you know, living in a time of war? How do you feel about that? I think it's it, it's a time of many wars. I mean, if you mm-hmm. look at it, you've got the, the war now with Russia and Ukraine but then I think especially being of South Asian descent I mean Afghanistan you know (laughs) there's been a war there for quite a long time I think 
in like the post World War Two period as much as they did not want it to be a time of war. I mean, there's not been a world war, but then. You know, yeah. not on this side of the world anyway. There's been war on the other side of the world, but obviously, yeah. you know, it doesn't count as much because, you know, it's, it's not white people fighting. Yeah. I definitely think in the UK we're kind of very removed from yeah. anything else. So it's like, well, it's yeah. peaceful here, so who cares? They're not yeah, going to do exactly. It. I think being in a Western country... Yeah, um, I feel like I've kind of felt like an immediate prevalency of it in university, at least, because the amount of stuff university's been, like, emailing us about and a lot, there's a lot of support around it, which is different, and it's new for me, like... This is the first time I've kind of... Definitely. Obviously, I'm not in the war, but I've seen people who have, like, been from it and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. And, yeah. I think that might also be because of the proximity of Ukraine to the UK. Like, mm-hmm. it's literally next door. You know, it's <laughs> in the European... Well, what was the European Union? <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, that's definitely interesting, I think. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. I think... And that, like, that is kind of the main question, you know, is it? It is, like, has this war being framed different to other wars, you know? Because as you say, we've had the Syrian war, Afghani war, but as you say, because it's happening on the other side of the world, maybe it's further away, and therefore it's less kind of, you know, direct to us. Maybe it's a le- less of a direct threat. Or is there other stuff going on, perhaps, of because they're, I don't know, not Christian, because they're not white? Are there other implications here? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if we just discuss, for example, the idea of, like, Europeanness? Do you guys think it comes down to that? Yes. <laughs> Problem to answer your question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> very, exactly. very, very briefly. But um, I think, yeah, it, and I think it's also the way that the sort of the Middle East and South Asia are viewed, where it's still such an Oriental way of looking at them. Mm-hmm. Where it's like you know, I think it's someone on uh, an American news channel that said, you know, these people are like us. They don't like you know yeah. the Afghani's, mm-hmm. and I think it was just. <clears throat> Sorry, somebody here even said um, it's the you wouldn't expect something like this to happen somewhere so close to home or something along those lines yeah. was said. And I think there's also almost the implication that you know these are these are non-savages. <laughs> We're not talking about the savages now. Yeah. Let's stop talking about the people of color that are just ruining it for themselves. You know, and I think it's also that. Um, We've got to go fix their messes because they don't know any better. Mm. Whereas for here, it's like, oh, you know, these people are like normal and they have normal lives. Mm, and that's yeah. an interesting double yeah. standard. Yeah. Definitely a very colonial mindset, just the way oh, that yes. you phrase yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Like, let us go and fix their problems or in this case, let's leave them yeah. and their problems because there's nothing to do with us. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose a question though, is yeah. our concern for the Ukrainians and Russians similar to what we would do, like, do for like people of colour that are similar to us? Because I feel like mm. I'm very curious about that. Because mm. you hear what white people are like towards our people when it comes to war. That's so interesting. Like to them. Yeah, I'd exactly. like to think the same, but obviously you can't know. You know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's a good point, though. Of like maybe something in us, and maybe I mean I know the Quran tells us, or there's a general sentiment of well, if our people are generally quite prosecuted in the world, mm-hmm. you should stand up for them because who else will? You know, yeah. like a Muslim yeah. brother and sister. Yeah. And so yeah, a sense that we do have a loyalty yeah. to, maybe because there's such a, a deficit in the media coverage and stuff, yeah. we need to put a, it out there. A because lack of bigger support, so we ah. feel more of a responsibility to do things like fundraisers and charities yeah. because you know that they're not getting that support on a bigger level. Yeah, and mm. the thing, I think it also comes back to the, you know, it could happen in like Pakistan. And I think yeah, that's so such so a fear for everyone where it's like mm. if they're doing it in like Afghanistan or if they're doing it in Syria, 
where we come from could be next yeah. you know that's something that you're always thinking about and then mm-hmm. your family's tied to that and your homeland you know even if we are second or third generation immigrants that's something that still binds us yeah. to mm-hmm. the places that we originate from 100 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. percent, yeah exactly but i think there was something mentioned before about um you know the idea of they're so close to us mm-hmm. geographically but there's an interesting point. I remember I actually went to this, it was like a random talk at uni or something. And it was talking about how, okay, they're claiming that it's not race. It's not that we don't care about mm. like Muslims, you know, that kind of thing. It's just that Ukraine is right on our doorstep and they're European. There's a sense that there's like a shared culture or something. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, with like, for example, the Syrians, they're also quite, you know, like they're Muslims, but there's this dispute about what is proximity like you know Mm. the world is so small and syrians themselves if you look at them they're quite white as well you know like they're quite um their features or maybe Mm -hmm. they have blue eyes you know they're light but um there's a sense that they're othered you know even though they're Mm -hmm. not even that far from ukraine geographically Uh if you drew a line from the uk to ukraine and uh, and a line to syria Mm -hmm. you know there's there's not much in it 100 percent. and i think that can kind of like transgress into other countries as well if you think about even america for example the indigenous people are right there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for America, so right. Right. for America, it's like Ukraine is not next to you. Yeah. You have yeah. people that have been wronged. The indigenous are at their doorstep. They're yeah. next door. Oh, they're literally there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's an interesting argument that they kind of pose forward. Like, what's the validity of it, really? Mm-hmm. Is it really a solid argument in that sense? Exactly, yeah. I think it's all to cover up, to some extent, the fact that there is, um, yeah, a sympathy that they have for... Yeah, they're fellow Christians, which is is pretty... But I also think there's maybe the politics of it, which I think is quite clear about, you know, for example, even though we have directly interfered in the Syrian war, and, you know, as you guys said, oh, it's their problem, we're fixing their mess. Actually, you know, obviously we've supplied so many of the weapons that they're using, and Britain has directly, I mean, if you think about the colonial history has directly caused these, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, these tensions which caused the wars. We yeah. don't take responsibility for that. But the idea that, you know, that's someone else's mess, but Russia is something that, I don't know, the West seems to get a lot more involved in, or mm. do you mm. feel like, do you feel that anti-Russian sentiment? I think yeah. that's the driving force for all of this, you know. Yeah. I mean, mm. even in Afghanistan, if you really, really were caring about the people there, the way that you pulled out of Afghanistan, and now if you look at the mess that, is in yeah. and the um, you know the problems that the people there are facing yeah that was a mess mm-hmm. that you directly were involved in yeah exactly. i think a lot of it feels like grasping at straws to mm-hmm. get involved in this war like you said Fully. the anti-russian sentiment but mm-hmm. they're trying to find another reason to pretend that they care like the proximity yeah. to whiteness and geographic location yeah. when really it's not it's I mean, not about that correct exactly. me if i'm wrong but i'm like russia and countries in the middle east like iran or iraq they did have that kind of alliance yeah. as well during mm-hmm. the cold war i, th- I think so, so. wait think russia so. and iran yeah i'm i don't know if it's cold war oh, but like, i think even now they have quite they a do have more of an alliance and yeah. maybe that's mm. a reason why they're villainized as such mm. uh-huh. i guess they're that's general yeah. partners i mean even i think china as well of course mm. um just generally maybe the fact that America and China are now market competitors. Mm-hmm. I think it all comes down to like money, doesn't it? Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. political economy. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And I, and I think mm. in terms of China, what's so scary to the West is that they don't depend on anyone financially. 
So they don't really answer to anyone. If you look at like, so for example, Afghanistan or Pakistan, you know, they, they maybe have that financial need. And then they will bow down to what what is being said. But China doesn't. China's right up there. It's actually maybe even <laughs> yeah. surpassing. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's something that is actually scary to especially to the US. The West. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Because I think I think what China symbolizes is this idea that you don't you know they don't have democracy, they mm-hmm. don't have capitalism, they don't have that free market to the same extent. Mm-hmm. And yet they're doing so well. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. it's all about America. It all comes back mm-hmm. to America <laughs> wanting to maybe preserve its kind of capitalist market across the world you know and i think if russia is collaborating and and helping china taking down russia is like yeah maintaining their their role as a superpower essentially and i think what you said about it being proxy wars Mm. i think that's so you can see that everywhere and i think here again not to diminish anyone or, or you know how hard it's been for anyone but i think a lot of this is just you know America playing out yeah. on the, the world. For field. those who don't know what proxy war is, do you want to like? Oh, true. So, and... exactly. We just Sorry. we just throw this around. <laughs> proxy is not only a very fun word, um, <laughs> but it also means. Um, so, if, if a proxy war, for example, in Ukraine would be, for example. Oh, I'm trying to think of a better example. For example, um, you could think of Syria. The even. Syrian war—that's yeah. a good example. So, in Syria at the moment, there's the president, um, who's kind of represents one group, the elite, and then they're against the rebels who are trying to overthrow the president. Um, but the because the president is supporting Russia, yeah, you Rus- Russia is helping to supply weapons to the president and Iran too, like because I think of the Shia connection or something. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. all... So a couple of countries are supporting one side mm-hmm. and then the US and the West are supporting the rebels. Yeah. And so it's almost like they're... Even though it's in they're Syria... They're using that country to fight out their own fight. Exactly. Basically. It's like a symbolic thing to them. If the US win... So if the rebels win, it's like a, a US win, essentially. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And yeah. they're trying to essentially make a statement of their power over mm-hmm. Russia, but okay. through someone else. So using them as like basically their pawns mm-hmm. to fight out their battle. Yeah, um, yeah to win points, essentially, mm-hmm. which is pretty sick. And some would argue this is, uh, Russia, uh, the Russia-Ukraine war has also become a proxy war, essentially between the East and West, would mm-hmm. you say? I I would agree with that. I think mm. it's just, I think after World War Two and World War One and Two, I think there was almost a realisation that we cannot fight on our own land mm-hmm. and we cannot send our own people out. We do have wars to be fighting. Yeah. We do have fights to be fighting out with everyone. <laughs> but I think there was a recognition of the fact that we're not putting our people through this again. Mm-hmm. If we have to put other people through this, so be it if it has to be you know down in the middle east if it has to be syria if it has to be afghanistan exactly again that sense of detachment like mm-hmm. you know i think we're so desensitized to war at this point mm-hmm. that it doesn't mean anything to us you know like a government minister will just be like yeah they'll send a drone a drone strike <laughs> there and mm-hmm. it just feels like a video game like it's it's oh. not actually impacting people that we're directly seeing so yeah. they don't matter but i think that's interesting how with russia and ukraine now a lot of the public were feeling it because these people were looking like them as opposed Mm. to in the past when it was people of other cultures they didn't relate to it on that level and like you said it didn't feel real because those people didn't look like them and they couldn't relate to them exactly whereas now they can 
Exactly. Or I even, I mean, what comes to mind is when, you know, when you're growing up and uh, like the television adverts, which I know no one watches anymore. <laughs> um, but it's like an appeal for Africa and we see these like, or like, you know, it's some kind of poverty in some country. Mm, yeah. And you just have these really horrific images, yeah. you know, but we see them as a child, like as children. And it's like, it should be, it should be resonating with us so much that we want to donate, but it's like a sense of, you know, disassociation. Detachment. Yeah. Yeah. And then exactly. the yeah. racism in that, where it's like Africa as a monolith, or yeah. together yeah. is all poor, and it's yeah. more yeah. poor. Places in I Africa know. are actually doing yeah. better. Better than, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 for sure. 100%. Um, but I think this, there's another question I had, which I think is an interesting debate to have, which <laughs> is, should anyone else be getting involved in this war? I'll leave that open, I guess. Like, should, mm-hmm. yeah, should, is it acceptable for China to be funding Russia and for, um, I don't know, the UK and America to be funding Ukraine? I, I think the I thing would... is, sorry. No, you can go. <laughs> well, if they're already involved, would it do more damage for them to now yeah. drop things? Like you said, they've done in the past mm-hmm. and then left. Yeah. Yeah, I think in ruin. Yeah. I would advocate for, like, fight for your own fight, but everything, like, everyone's so deeply ingrained that... yeah. There's, and, yeah, and it's almost it's not on. even their own fight anymore. Yeah, do you know? Yeah, what I mean? that's it's the like thing. What would you be leaving fight? behind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly. Well, I guess okay. Maybe now that they're involved, it's hard to withdraw. Mm-hmm. But I guess on like a an ethical on an ethical note, do you think in general it's justified that they've gotten involved in the first place? I think uh, your own country has so many of its own problems. If we're looking at like the UK or mm-hmm. like even mm-hmm. you know the US. I, I don't know, does it make sense for you to go now to other places and solve the issues that you <laughs> see there mm-hmm. um, and not focus on what's happening right at home? Exactly, like the defence funding for mm-hmm. America, yeah. for example. Is and then who gives you the right? Who are you? You know, or yeah. as America or you, <laughs> you know, who are you as America or the UK to go, oh, let me go fight, you know, wherever it is. Like, you can't just yeah. pick up your baton. It's like there's an ulterior motive there. It's mm-hmm. not just... I would know, also I'm, argue yeah. that things wouldn't have escalated to the point that they have if these other places hadn't gotten involved. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like things could have been handled very differently. Definitely. Mm. And I think, I mean, I, I have heard that there were uh, various points at which Russia maybe also suggested, okay, well, if you do this for us, you know, basically giving mo- opportunities to mm-hmm. just stop the war, but never necessarily for peace, I guess. So I guess mm. that's the thing. I feel like that is yeah. why, just to play that devil's advocate, I'd say <laughs> you'd, um, if let's say Russia offered, okay, we'll give, we'll, we'll have a ceasefire, we'll stop the war. If you just give us Ukraine, you know, like yeah, that, that is like the thing. The terms are yeah. not yeah. really that's fair terms. Yeah, I wouldn't even exactly. call that a compromise. It's no. more if yeah. you give up, things will be okay. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Because what precedent does this set? This yeah. um, set for the world? Like, let's say, let's say they didn't get, no one got involved. Obviously, Ukraine is like what a tenth, not even a tenth of the size, like a hundredth yeah. of a, the size of Russia. Have you seen yeah. Russia on a map? <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah. scary, massive. <laughs> yeah. So if they didn't get involved. Is it just too easy for Russia? And I think also the fear there, if we're coming back to the proximity, is that if Ukraine was taken over, we are geographically quite close. Next. You know, uh, <laughs> I was going to say next, but I was like, is that too much? Um, <laughs> yeah. Watch out, people. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, I do that they'll just but, keep going and then it's not a compromise as a you know even if Russia's saying because Russia has its own motives we're not saying that Russia is right but we're mm. not we're also saying that the UK and the US are also not right yeah. you know there's no right person it's very ambiguous you can't yeah. just there's no hero and villain it's, yeah. yeah we can't give you a definitive answer uh, mm. and I don't think there really is I mean I, I think you know there's wrongs on both sides obviously from Russia specifically for taking over you know and, and fighting in a country like that but um, to label one side as wrong, I think mm-hmm. would be you know taking a very complicated issue and then just dissecting it and simplifying. Yeah, it. yeah, simplifying exactly. it. Because that's the thing is, I think everyone acknowledges that okay, if it, if you're thinking about the proxy war, mm-hmm. maybe we are on the side of or not on the side of, but let's say we 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 can be critical of the West and uh-huh. them getting involved at this level and you know all that. But as you say, like take it at, at a very ground level. It's one country taking the land of another uh-huh. country. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean for, as I say, with the precedent, like if Russia can just take Ukraine yeah, then, uh, because yeah. we What's want peace. So we, anywhere else? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or what is that to yeah. stop other countries uh-huh. from like, you know, like China taking Taiwan oh, that's so true. and like India and Pakistan, um, you know, that dispute over Kashmir. What if yeah. India just yeah. takes Kashmir? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess it's yours now. And it's almost opening the doors for that. Then you're so right that, you know, if, if Russia can do it, then... You kind of relive in colonial history. Yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And even like America's intent and what they're doing, is it really because, is this for the sake of NATO? Or is it mm. more of just like, that I have this superiority complex, uh, not yeah. superiority complex, savior complex. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Exactly. You know, I'm going to show everyone that I'm the hero in this story. Mm. And it's just like, That's so true. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, and I think it's a lot about um, the power struggle, really, if we're getting right down to it, is you know, two countries with massive egos, you know, you're looking at the US and then the UK by extension, and then you're looking at Russia, where there's just this fight, and I think it's made worse by the fact that they're equipped with weapons and things, and then, you know, it's, you know, innocent Ukrainians that are having to pay for this, as in every other country, you know, it's the innocent civilians that have had to pay for the egos of these people in really high up positions. 100%, exactly, and I think, I mean, just to acknowledge that we have obviously been quite critical of the US, um, as one should. Um, but obviously, Russia is very much in the wrong as well, as we've uh, acknowledged. And as you say, it's basically two big babies trying to fight something <laughs> uh-huh. out. And uh-huh. they're both, as you say, just destroying the world at this uh-huh. point. Uh-huh. Um, but I think the only reason, I guess, we have been a bit more critical of the US um, is just because, as we know, the media doesn't really cover that side as much. You know, the double standards uh-huh. of, okay, yes, obviously Russia is this evil antagonist, but it's not like, you know, the UK and the US over here are like angelic little creatures. I who mean, are like, they have yeah. no moral <laughs> high ground. Nothing to, sta- nothing to stand yeah, on. Nothing at all. That's actually what our next episode will be more about, if you would like to tune in tomorrow. Um, but no, exactly. And... As you say, I think a really good uh, maybe point to end on is the idea that this is such a complicated issue and we can't sure. summarize it. Yeah. We can't yeah. um, you know, say everything that needs to be said in one episode yeah. that's 30 minutes long. <laughs> and just to reiterate, like, we're not specialists in this field. You know, what we're seeing is very much how we have digested this news yeah. and to sort of, even as people of colour, how we've um, looked at it and thought, you know, this is how this makes me feel, and this mm-hmm. is the rea- reaction I've had to this. And again, there's people that are experts on this that, you know, looking at it, it's a very, very complex issue, and there is no one right answer to anything. But I think what we wanted to just show was that there is a lot at, at play here, and it's just that, you know, the people of Ukraine 
have been used as pawns almost, and they're the ones that are paying the most mm-hmm. for this. Exactly. Mm. Um, well, I think that rounds it up. Thank you, everyone, for uh, an engaging discussion. And, yeah, tune in tomorrow for a continuation of the discussion on the Ukraine and Russia war. We'll be discussing the more recent developments in the, in the conflict. For example, the arrest warrant that was issued against Putin um, mm-hmm. just a couple of days ago by the ICC. We can explain what the ICC is, <laughs> give you all the knowledge um, that you need to nod along in- enthusiastically when people talk about this at work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, inshallah, see you tomorrow. I hope you enjoyed this. Thank you for listening. For more information and to listen to more podcasts, visit us at arc.score or check out the Arc Media app.